Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast and happy pizza day if you happen to be listening on the day that I am releasing this podcast. Now, welcoming to the show David Bailey, the organizer of the Bitcoin Conference 2021 and all of the other Bitcoin conferences and all the the 2B Bitcoin conferences because this is his thing. If you did not want to go, you will want to go after listening to this and if you had the FOMO, you're FOMO's gonna know no bounds after listening to this. I have the FOMO. We cannot go unless we were to go some circuit route around half of the globe to get there and spend two weeks in a different country before entering the US. Just wasn't gonna happen with four kids, myself and my wife in tow. Just we'll wait for the next one. But you're gonna love this one. Before we do the show, I wanna shill. Please start stacking some sats if you're not already. You can do that in the UK with CoinFloor. It's a Bitcoin-only exchange, coinfloor.co.uk. You can do it across Europe with Relay, R-E-L-A-I.ch. And you can do it in the US with Swan, swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten, who are going to have the biggest part of the stage at the conference, which you will hear about. But please, guys, you've got to take control of these coins. Now, I am not fucking around anymore. Take control of your shit. Get a hardware wallet. Get the Bitbox 02, Bitcoin-only edition, and make sure that you're storing these correctly. This is a great piece of kit. Go to shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bits, and you'll get a 5% discount. Write down your words or use the little microchip that comes with it and hide that nice and safe. You are good to go. Stack safe. Enjoy this show. Hey, so should uh, I ask the same question? We're recording. I know. So what are you going to do? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just going to start uh, ask the same question. Yeah, go for it. Go for okay. it. Ask the same question. So, um, hello again. Hello uh, again, and thank you for uh, having me back on the uh, podcast again. <laughs> just, just to fill the listeners in, we we did we did start recording, but uh, we had some technical difficulties. So David kindly ran down to his local office instead of his home, and here we are back again uh, to to kick this off. And, and Lauren, um, I mean Lauren, kicked us off so nicely to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> now she's getting the giggles and doesn't know what uh, whether she should ask the same question or something different. Um, and I, you know, uh, you know, God forbid I should parent this situation, but it's over to you. Uh, ask the same question. I like the question. It's a good one. No one's asked that one yet. Okay, so what kind of food are you going to put in the conference? All right. So, good question. Unique question. Lots of different food choices. We got about. 20 food trucks that are going to be at the main conference. We have uh, two after-party locations. One's at a taco shop, so they're going to have tacos. Uh, the other one is a, a place called Oasis, um, where they're going to have pop-up uh, restaurants for dumplings, pizza, curry, a whole bunch of stuff. 
Um, and then uh, we have for for the whale event and whale night, we have some some very uh, high gluten, uh, uh, heavy hors d'oeuvres and food that we're going to be serving at the uh, whale night party. So lots of different food choices. That, and of course, everything's lightning enabled. So people are going to be able to use their hard-earned saps to uh, get some get some food. Nice. Do you know what a whale party is? Not really. Question number two. You see how this evolves? <laughs> You just yes. listen, you listen to what the guest says, and then you, 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 you hear a word or something that yeah. piques your interest. Oh, and... Sometimes you already know stuff about them. Then they go on, then you start talking and then like, yeah, yeah. But you don't know what a whale party is. So no. why don't you ask David? What is a whale party? <laughs> so, uh, we have two tickets to this conference. There's really the main ticket, which is to the general admissions conference. And then our goal now has changed a little bit as the as the scope of the event changed. But our goal initially was to have the general admissions tickets be as cheap as possible. So there's lots of people who bought tickets for twenty dollars. We had tickets for a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, um, and so we needed some some uh, you know uh, fat cats to come in and, and pay kind of ridiculous prices to help subsidize the event. So we created uh, the whale pass for all those whales out there. Uh, who are sitting on, you know, lots of uh, lots of gains this year from their Bitcoin holdings um, to have like a VIP party for them. Uh, we have like an institutional investor day that we call whale day. Um, uh, there's whale night. And then during the conference, we can have a uh, VIP networking area plus some some free alcohol, et cetera, for our whales. So uh, it's, a, I think, a cool experience for all the, the whale holders, but uh, also dramatically overpriced. And as those sold, we kept raising the price because it's just like, okay, well, it's supply and demand. And uh, it's $14,000 a ticket now, and we're about to raise it to $21,000 a ticket. And they're still selling. It's insane. So it's just like, okay, uh, thank you. Thank you, whales. That's crazy, man. That is crazy. Really, it's it's unbelievable. Well, it's kind of gotten a little bit cooler too as as time has gone on. People are like, okay, wow, there's all of these these whales coming in. We, you know, people believe you that there's going to be whales there when people are buying twenty one thousand dollar, fourteen thousand dollar tickets. So you know, there uh, people are doing things to cater to the whales. So um, we have a couple of venues in Miami that are like giving us stuff to auction off to the whales that are just, like really unique stuff. We have a private jet company that is put like uh giving us like five Gulfstream jets that we're going to have in different oh. cities in the united states where people can fly private with other whales to directly to the conference oh. um we got uh uh well I, I we signed the contract so i can make a little bit of news here we have a, a floyd mayweather attending the conference wow. and uh uh you know demanding to be paid in bitcoin for his fight and uh, we're going to be auctioning off uh, some ringside seats to the fight on Sunday, um, along with uh, some of Floyd Mayweather's stuff uh, to some of the whales. So it's a cool, unique, kind of crazy thing. Wait a second. Who's he fighting? What, what's going on? Floyd Mayweather is fighting on Sunday. So the day after the conference, Logan Paul, the YouTube sensation. And so... Uh, I thought he was done. I thought he'd retired after the Conor McGregor thing. I thought it was all over. Man, so he's come back from retirement to fight Logan Paul. And uh, Logan Paul is, I mean, 
he's only fought one time, I think, and he lost. So he's not even a good fighter. Um, but it's already sold more pay-per-views than any fight in history. So it's, it, uh, you know, it's still got two weeks to go before the actual fight. So it's just like Floyd Mayweather is doing a, a cash grab. And if he's going to do a cash grab, put that cash in Bitcoin. That's what we're saying. So Yeah, exactly. Um, is, is he doing that yet? Do we have any intel on whether he's stacking or not? Or... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's stacking? He's stacking. Yeah, for sure. Floyd Money I mean, Mayweather is a Bitcoiner. Yes. You'd think Floyd, so. With, with the middle Bitcoin name of money, Mayweather. you would think. <laughs> yeah. No, no. He's, uh, we, we're trying to get him to update his uh, Twitter uh, uh, name to put Bitcoin in place of money. Um, but yeah, no, he's, he's definitely stacking. We just sent him some Bitcoin the other day. So yeah, for sure. That's amazing. He should be, he's got to change his name to Floyd Network Money Mayweather now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> is he going to be wearing any, like, can we get some Bitcoin merch on his shorts? I'm sure you guys have already tried. We've, we've tried. We've tried. That type of stuff, that's expensive. That's expensive real estate. Uh, yeah. You know, he's a, he's a big Bitcoin fan, but he's not, he's not uh, there quite yet on terms of uh, donating, you know, a million dollar piece of real estate. Uh, not yet not scene. like the indycar guys not like yeah, uh, ed carpenter right. and uh yeah the uh, and venus um sorry um the uh renus right who's going to be driving a car um but anyway yeah. did you have any well, more questions we'll, yeah, she, we'll also okay. have the uh the indycar will also be at the conference no so, way uh, you've got the actual car oh yeah they're bringing it down on the trailer and they're gonna have it propped up for people to be able to check it out in person that's gonna be so cool what's what's an Indy car is like a Formula One car, is uh, oh. like like that, um, but um, it's uh, uh, slightly different, and um, it's an American series. In Formula One, they do it around. Well, they do it globally, but the the Indy series is uh, is it's all in America, right? Did, did I go abroad with any of the I races? I guess so. I don't know anything about sports, so it's like it's okay. I'm, I don't know really anything about anything other than Bitcoin. So, right. uh, <laughs> well, just to let you know, there was a heavyweight boxer out there. So I know Floyd is a different world to a different division. I don't know his exact weight, um, but there's uh, Adam Kovnatsky. That's uh, AK Babyface. Go look him up on Twitter. Although I know you're off Twitter for a while, but you know, I just came back. I came back yesterday or two oh, days ago. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. So well, the, I'm uh, start the out for you. yeah, with the price of Bitcoin uh, under forty thousand dollars, I felt like that's I have a window here to come back because my last tweet was, you know, at forty thousand dollar Bitcoin prices, I just don't care anymore. All right. You know, get back in. Now, so, now yeah. I <laughs> check him out, Adam, uh, AK Babyface. He, he's he's hoping he's been on the show. He's hoping to become the um, the first. Uh, Polish-born heavyweight champion of the world. Cool. And uh, he's, he's got a shot at it. He's trying to organize uh, his next fight. And uh, he is going, he's got his own line of Bitcoin merch. He's going to wear the Bitcoin shorts in the oh, ring cool. when he gets his next fight. So this is amazing. With, with the IndyCar news, Floyd Mayweather coming to your thing. Uh, there's uh, also um, a, a golfer, Aaron uh, Ingalls, who's going for his card very, very soon, hoping to get his card. He's coming on the show as well. He's got HODL written on his ball. I mean, imagine, cool. just like imagine that, like the, the, the last half turn as it drops in, the, the last hole at Augusta. I mean, come on, this is this is just, that's a Cinderella story right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Bitcoin. Uh, all right, La gonna, Lauren, we also, we're geeking we, we out. Have, uh, yeah, one, hang on, uh, one wait, more. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, we have David. one more one more uh, fighter who's coming as well. Uh, the UFC world champion from South Africa. 
uh, he's coming and he's, uh, uh, we gave him a whale pass on the condition that he had to bring his belt, his UFC world champion belt, and he has to carry it around with him at the conference for people to uh, check out. So he agreed. So he'll be there. It's going to be super cool. Nice. There's a lot of cool people in Bitcoin now. That's one thing I think Bitcoiners have kind of like it's happened really quickly. And so people just have like lost track of that. Like Bitcoin is like the counterculture now. And so it's like on the edge of coolness. And so you have athletes and actors and comedians and musicians. We have rappers, DJs, uh, uh, you know. Uh, All the fun we're gonna miss out. Uh, just people from like across the entire spectrum that you would never expect to be Bitcoiners who love Bitcoin. So it's just super cool to see Bitcoin go mainstream, but not go mainstream in a way where it's like, you know, it's become vanilla, but like go mainstream where it's like really the most radical people in society and in culture are embracing it and kind of merging together their two different cultural groups. It's it's cool. Renaissance 2.0, man. And that's Stacy, and she's going to be there, right? You got Max and yep. Stacy. Uh, Max and yep. Stacy's going to be there? Yes. Mm. Yeah, basically, everyone we've met, Lauren. So as I was explaining before, we, we were unable to come. We've, we've pulled the plug on it because uh, the, the restrictions um, to, to <gasps> Europeans landing in the U.S. is, you know, borders right are still closed. They might change over the next uh, five or six days. Who knows? But uh, we had the... We had our own summer to, to plan and we weren't going to sit around and wait for bureaucrats to plan our movements for us. So we'll, we'll come to the next one. 2022. 2022, give us a, give us a little, Daddy. Yeah, dangle the carrot. Wait, wait, wait. Listen to David. What's happening in 2022? All right. So we, we, um, uh, we'll have more announcements to have share on this shortly. But, you know, this conference, you know, one of the criticisms that it's the fair criticism of it is that the ticket prices have gotten expensive. Uh, it is because the event has really just sold out. And uh, uh, like, if we didn't raise the ticket prices, we would have been sold out probably three or four weeks ago. So um, like, we've realized that the demand for this is way greater than we thought. And so for 2022, we're going to try to take this event from a 12,000 person event to a 35,000 person plus event. We want to make this like, you know, one of the you know, a new Woodstock or a new, like, you know, a fusion between, you know, Burning Man and South by Southwest and Money 2020. So um, we really want to take this to the next level. So 2022 is going to be, you know, really an incredible thing that people do not want to miss. Um, but also, as I was explaining earlier, like, this is the last conference we did, which was the biggest one we'd ever done, was 2,000 people. This one's 12,000 people. There's a really big jump that occurs between, you know, low thousands to like more than 10,000. And so there's going to be some, some growing pains and some learning lessons from this. And like, there's a lot of unknown unknowns. And so people are going to have a great time at this conference, but they're also a little bit like our guinea pigs as we learn <laughs> like what we don't know. So you know, there are probably some some benefits to having 2022 be your your first uh, Bitcoin conference to experience. Number go up. Number <laughs> go up. That's right. I mean, we're we're trying to create and catalyze a a movement around the world that is across every socioeconomic group, every age, every ethnicity, every gender. I mean, this is an ideological movement that is going to transform all parts of society. And it's going to, I mean, what we were just, uh, uh, Renaissance 2.0. I mean, yes, the it, it is Renaissance 2.0 and it's gonna touch everyone. And so, you know, this event really is about creating a 
beachhead, uh, uh, a, a catalyst for this movement to get together, to inter-network, to find great ideas, to uh, find business partners, to find investors, uh, to see bad ideas and talk about how they can be done better and to really uh, uh, help um, springboard the movement into accelerated change for the world. So, um, you know, once we do a 35,000 person event, the next milestone will be, how do we get to 100,000 people? How do we get to 500,000 people? Like, how do we make this the, the pilgrimage of, of, for the world uh, for freedom? That's amazing, man. Right, Lauren, do you have any more questions? Uh, no, I'm going to leave the, the... The podcast? Yeah, but I'm going to yeah. let you deal Okay, then. thank you very much. <laughs> okay, thank you, bye. Thank you, Lauren, great to meet you. 2021 or 2022, mm -hmm. that time won't come and we're not stopping. Or the 100k party, the 100K. which will come first. Yeah. So don't worry. Yeah. At Uncle Chad's, we're, we're covered. Yeah, it's all right. It's, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's what she um, knows Michael Saylor as, Uncle Chad. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and I see you have your 100k hat on. So That's right. That's yeah. right. I'm, I'm replacing it soon, though, with a more bullish hat. I feel like this is a little bit too bearish. Um, so maybe, you know, uh, it's really infinity divided by 21 million is the, you know, Knut's von Hall. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Knut. Um, will you be, uh, did, uh, am I right in thinking laser eyes are being handed out at the, uh, at the conference? Is someone in charge of that? <laughs> yeah. We are almost calling the main stage the laser eye, eye stage, but, uh, yeah, we don't we don't have a, a good game plan yet for what we're going to do with the the lasers. Um, I got a I got a random question for you. What what are you talking about there? So many people are getting so bullish about uh, planning these events, especially after like the last year and a half. We've we've all suffered through some more than others, depending in which country that you've been in, and you know the uh, confinement rules are, or lockdown. Are you in the UK? In France. In France. Yeah, which has just been yeah crap. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I've uh, some some of my close friends live in in London, and hearing what's going on in London, it's like it sounds illegal. It sounds like it's like uh, uh, it sounds immoral and unethical. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel for the for the European Bitcoin scene. It's it's nuts, but people like the Bitcoiners you talk to, we're just so ready to like like let's go. We we want to start something. We want to do. Uh, some kind of get to some kind of conference. So um, for those people that might be thinking about planning one, I'm sure you've got lots of uh, like real basic kind of tips of, of where to start. Um, I don't know. Um, it's a totally random question. I'm just talking off the cuff here. What would you throw out at people that might be out there trying to think about, you know, getting a group of 100, 150 people together or something um, to start something up and, and just keep this community as vibrant as possible? Yeah. So first off, I recommend, I don't know if I, I should say this, but uh, I recommend people, even if you're not legally allowed to hold events, like people should be gathering. It's, uh, you know, people are free people. You know, we, we don't live in totalitarian regimes. At least we're told we don't live in totalitarian regimes. And, you know, we are, this is a nonviolent revolution that we're fighting. And so, you know, revolutions, they don't get canceled over pandemics. They don't get canceled over malaria or yellow fever or whatever. Like if we allow the states to tell us whether or not we're able to organize amongst ourselves, then um, 
I can give you a, 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 I can look into the future and tell you Bitcoin will never happen because they're never going to give us permission to do Bitcoin. And so, you know, uh, people have to seize their freedom and they need to do it in a res- the most responsible way they can. But I think it's irresponsible to be intimidated or bullied uh, out of, out of, you know, being, being free. So highly recommend people organizing events. Uh, I can tell you that as your event gets bigger, while there are some economies of scale, definitely, uh, there are a lot of, of costs that go up as your event goes up in, in size that are, um, let's say, a smaller event. Like, let's say you were doing an event for 100 or 150 people. You can avoid the permitting process. You can avoid, um, you know, you can find venues that are basically free. You can, I mean, there are so many ways to keep your overhead down. Whereas once you get to a certain size, let's say a thousand or more people, you start clicking all the bureaucratic gears. So now like, you know, you have to find a hotel partner. You have to go through their corporate events uh, business, which is like, you know, absorbent rates. You know, you have to get permits, which means all of a sudden, you know, the fire department's going to come take their cut. The police department's going to come take their cut. Health and safety is going to come take their cut. Electrical is going to come take their cut. Uh, uh, telecommunications is going to come take their cut. I mean, everyone comes and lines up like it's a soup kitchen for corporate America whenever you have an event uh, over a thousand, over a thousand people. Uh, once you get even bigger than a thousand, let's say you're over 5,000, that's when people start trying to squeeze you. So people like they know you're making money and they know that if they can put a, a stick in the cog to jeopardize the event, then they can make an ask. And even if you shouldn't have to pay them, you'll pay them because they know the cost to you if you don't pay their, you know, blackmail. I mean, it's not really blackmail, but it's, you know, pay their fee is going to be greater. So, you know, uh, I, I recommend uh, if you're going to build an event uh, or like build an event for your local community, start small and stay small as long as you possibly can, because it just gets, it gets harder and harder. Um, I think if you're going to do an event for a hundred and hundred, 150 people, uh, um, you probably need to budget like uh, 50,000 plus dollars. Like that's like a good, you know, you might be able to do it less than that. I mean, 150 people, that's a party size, but let's say you had 350 people probably need to budget at least 50,000 bucks if you're doing it like in a, in a, the the cheapest way you possibly can. Um, And then I would say like, you know, what I really set our event apart um, is that we leaned into the focus on Bitcoin and we were kind of uh, unrelenting in that focus and we were um, authentic in it. And that authenticity resonated with our, our community. And you know, so I, I recommend like, don't try to be uh, a, an event for everything, be an event for something that you authentically care about. That's, that's focused and niche. And even something that's niche can grow in size. I mean, our event now, is the, this one's 12,000 people, but it's still Bitcoin only. And we're very, very strict about that. Um, so, so yeah. And then I think also there, <clears throat> um, you know, a lot of people like to have all the details of their event perfect before they put them out there. That's how we used to, when we did events previously, like to do it. We've learned that it's like, it's a marathon and you just need to as quickly as you possibly can, whenever something happens, you need to put it out there so that you can be generating a little bit of incremental momentum from that, that announcement or news, which will help catalyze the next 
opportunity that you you're able to pull into your event. So like, don't hold all your cards waiting for like this perfect announcement, just push it out, push it out, push it out, push it out, push it out and let the momentum build. Um, so, you know, I, I highly recommend people doing events uh, based on what we're seeing right now in the market. As soon as events open back up, it is going to be a booming, booming, booming business. Um, you know, the, the, there's just a, a hunger for people to get out and live their life. There's a hunger for people to talk to other Bitcoiners. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, the Bitcoin community, definitely there's a hunger for it because it's not only is the lockup, but it's like all time high Bitcoin prices. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, the Bitcoin community with the, you know, having such a good year with the price, um, the city of Miami has really just uh, for us, like embraced that. And everyone wants Bitcoiners to come to their venues, to their restaurants. I mean, there's there's hundreds of places that have started accepting Bitcoin in the past few months, just like in preparation for this just mob of people. Um, so yeah, no, the Bitcoin community especially, uh, wants to get out, but I think events in general are going to, um, are going to boom. And especially as people like, I think it's going to be, we have a good number of people from Europe attending the conference, but you had to basically make a two week trip to a third country in order to come. I think it's going to be shocking to them to see what life in Miami is like right now. It's basically like, what, what pandemic are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And to think that like in their home countries, like they're still lockdowns and there's still restrictions on a people's ability to even protest laws. I mean, it's like, it, it, there's no credibility in the, the, the COVID restrictions that exist, you know, anywhere in the world. Once you come to this conference and you see like, wow, life is normalized here. And there is, there's not, not some crisis in the hospitals overloaded with people dying in, in Florida. It's, it's probably less people in the hospitals in Florida than in the places that have the strictest lockdown uh, restrictions. So. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's been a tough one, man. It's, it's just such, I walk around. I just, I cannot believe what I see on a daily basis today. I mean, our bars and restaurants opened. What are we today? Friday, two days ago. And uh, so my wife and I went to, one of our favorite restaurants for lunch today. It's a beautiful place. Uh, you know, this is the great thing about France, right? You're, you're 20 minutes from a Michelin star restaurant and it is in this beautiful auberge in the countryside and you can go and eat just the most amazing cool. food. But like people, <laughs> they, it's unreal. People walk across the car park hand in hand by themselves with their masks on to go and be sat on a terrace table next to just three foot away from another table and then happily take their masks off. And you're like, guys, just fucking think for yourselves. Like what, what, in what world is that normal behavior? But people here just aren't ready. They're just so happy to toe the line. It's just well, unbelievable. The, the CDC came out a couple of days ago here in the States and <clears throat> I think caught a lot of people off guard. I don't think they told anyone they're gonna do this, but just said, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask anymore in any situation. Um, and it's the honor system, whether you're vaccinated or not. And uh, a whole bunch of people that are vaccinated that live in very liberal cities um, are refusing to stop wearing masks because they're, they, I mean, they've even said this, the quiet part out loud. They're like, you know, I don't want people to look at me and mistake me as a conservative or like mistake my political ideology. So I'm wearing a mask so that they know that I'm, you know, on their side. And it's like, wow. So, I mean, it's just like, 
you know, blatantly re revealing that all of this is just a political, you know, political the, the, game. This came to my mind today. And, um, you know, what you're doing there is just, you're restricting your respiratory system for a belief. This is self-flagellation to the state. It's unbelievable. Shows you how much power they the state has. I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to underestimate the mind control apparatus of, you know, the powers, powers that are in charge. And, you know, the, the fact that like people can take evidence that's, that's contradictory to what they're being told and they can just completely cast it aside as if it's meaningless. Like <clears throat> when uh, we had the state of Texas, the, the governor, Governor Abbott, <clears throat> ended the mask man mandate in like March, like three months ago. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, basically said no one can, no one can be forced to wear a mask. And media and the president and everything in the United States was like, this is going to cause just a total surge. There's going to be mass death and casualties. This is mass murder. And none of that stuff played out. In fact, the, 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 the COVID numbers in uh, Texas have dramatically declined since that was done. And I saw an article today that came out and said, the only reason we can figure out why there wasn't a surge in, in Texas is because people ignored the governor and continued to go about wearing masks anyway and just took individual responsibility. And so his, you know, his edict was meaningless and that's the reason there wasn't a surge. And it's like, okay, well, you know, that doesn't totally make sense. Like that, I think that that's bullshit, but even if it was true, you're now saying that there's no reason to have a policy to mandate masks because people will take individual responsibility to do it on their own. And like, no one even listens to these rulings anyway. And so it's like, okay, you can't have it both ways where you're gonna have to mandate that everyone has a mask, but at the same time, you're gonna say it, well, it doesn't matter if anyone has a mask or not because people are gonna do what they wanna do. And it's coming from the exact same people. So, <clears throat> but this whole Texas like, um, uh, proof point about how effective these policy restrictions are or were not has just been completely cast aside as if it's just not even a relevant detail. And it's like, you know, that's like the, that's the only, that's the only example we can point to, to determine the, you know, how effective this policy actually is. And so we're going to take the one proof point that we can actually use to analyze the cause and effect and like, just, you know, eliminate it from the, from the story and the narrative. I mean, it's just crazy. It's crazy. It is mad. Um, you, you guys must be banging your heads against the, the wall sometimes putting this whole big conference together and, and, and bashing yourselves against, um, these regulations that you were talking about, like, uh, you know, trying to get over this barrier, trying to get over that barrier, uh, you know, as Bitcoiners and as free thinking people. And, you, you know, we, we, we want to be able to just conduct business and provide something of value to a community that is, you know, it's, we can see the need, right? There's a need for people to congregate and share ideas and listen to uh, people come on and speak and uh, give presentations. Need is there. You guys fill the gap, but so much red tape in the middle. It must be so freaking frustrating. It is. I will say that uh, it was super frustrating when we were originally doing this event in the state of California. You know, the most frustrating part is that, again, it goes back, like all of this policy is just like, it's signaling. It's not actually, there's nothing logical to argue with because the whole point is just signaling. So when you're dealing with politicians, like let's say in Los Angeles, which is where we were originally doing the event, uh, 
you can't get answers to any questions because no one wants to take responsibility for giving you an answer based on logical grounds. Like, you know, th like they realize that what you're saying is logical or they realize you're asking a straightforward question. But if they answer your straightforward question, now they're the person who answered the question. So they'd rather leave you in uncertainty, refuse to answer the questions uh, just so that they can deflect any future blame of whatever happens. So it's maddening because you can't get a yes or a no. It's like they don't either direction. They just, we'll see. And it's like, okay, well, we can't, we can't do business like that. And we can't, you know, we can't have people around the world travel to a location when you like, you can't give us any insight whatsoever to, to any actions that you're going to do or any way to even measure what your actions are going to be. It's like, it's, it's infuriating. And so Mayor Suarez from Miami was like, hey, bring the event to Florida. Uh, you know, we will do whatever has to be done to uh, eliminate any hurdles um, so that you can do this conference here. And whether, you know, I mean, we've had a lot of hurdles and time and time again, the mayor's office would come in and, you know, beat people with sticks if they had to in order to, to make this event happen. And that, so I, I have mad respect for the mayor. Uh, and then likewise, uh, Governor DeSantis in, in Florida uh, has been uh, very supportive. And, you know, when we had some different county commissioners, et cetera, you know, concerned with the event, DeSantis was like, I will write an executive order that will eliminate all restrictions from any, you know, county or commissioner or whatever if that's what needs to be done. So, I mean, it was just a completely uh, uh, kind of night and day change between the two uh, uh, areas. And uh, it's, you know, we've still been squeezed on certain things we're having to do and we have to, you know, pay certain groups that are going to make our event, you know, quote, safe. But um, I mean, it's that, like, they've been incredible and they've like forced this event to happen. And like, as we've treaded this path, which we're right now, I think the biggest in-person event in the country uh, for the United States, right? We're, we're one of the top in-person events in the world right now. Um, so like, as we tread this path, like there are other events that are coming after us that are like, hey, they just had a 12,000 person event. You know, we should be able to have our 15,000 person music festival or our 20,000 person, you know, tech event, et cetera. And like, you know, we are eliminating the uncertainty for others as we push this forward. And so, you know, I said this on someone else's podcast, but, um, you know, the Bitcoin community in this situation is really acting as a standard bearer for freedom for all people around the world. Like, of course, it's the Bitcoin community that's like the most resilient of all communities uh, that is going to be the one that like forces open the world, whether you like it or not. And, you know, if we were just doing this event and people weren't showing up, it wouldn't be effective. So it's not us. Like we pushed it forward because we knew our community would do whatever it takes to like get together and, and push forward Bitcoin. Um, but it's because the community is showing up where people are like, look, like people are not afraid to come to these in-person in events. And, you know, we're hearing from like really large music festivals that are like very, very large, where their original language was like, we care, our top concern is your health and safety, our top concern is, is you know, COVID, so we're going to cancel our events, or we're going to do so and so. And our approach has always been like, like, look, we don't want anyone to get sick, we don't want anyone to get hurt. If you're high risk, if you're, you know, if you're scared about getting sick, 
don't come to this conference. But for everyone else, like, you know, our top concern is not your health and safety. Our top concern is actually advocating for Bitcoin and advocating for freedom. That's our top concern. And so you have to make your own personal choice about what your risk tolerance is, what your, what your um, you know, personal situation is. But we're not going to, like, lie to you and tell you, you know, something other than what our true agenda is. And other events that I've seen that have been like, huh, you can say that? Okay, <laughs> we'll say that too. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I really think it's like, it's, it's super dope to see just the Bitcoin scene and our, our just refusal to back down, uh, giving other people courage to also not back down. Yeah, 100%. So Suarez, did he contact you guys or did you guys contact him? What, what, how did that go so, down? Um, I don't remember if he contacted us or if we contacted him. I think what happened was, uh, uh, he started taking meetings, uh, with Bitcoin companies and we had one of our people in Miami just swing by his office and the conversation started about, Hey, we're doing this Bitcoin conference in LA. And they were like, y'all should move the conference to Miami. So, uh, uh, yeah. And, and he is just such a hustler and executor and just Johnny on the spot. So, I mean, I just really, Miami's had a great, a great mayor. And it's also kicked off this kind of competitive thing where now that, it's like. That was my next the, question. That was my next yeah. question. Like, how do you feel about that? Like what's going on? It, because for me, watching across the pond and, and being plugged into the community and, uh, and watching like, you know, I've had Mayor uh, Conger on the show from, uh, from Tennessee. Uh, obviously we have uh, what's going on in Wyoming, what's going on in Texas. How do you feel about it? Where, where do you see this this going? Oh, yeah. Because this is game theory on crack. Well, I will say that the, the most competition we've seen is actually in the state of Florida over uh, everyone kind of trying to claim that their, their governmental body is actually above other people's governmental bodies and that their governmental body is the most bullish on Bitcoin. So it's like, you know... Uh, I'm you know, more bullish than you. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, like, uh, uh, oh, you know, Mayor Suarez, he claims that they're going to be able to pay employees with Bitcoin, but he only has, you know, 2 million people that live in his jurisdiction, and we have 5 million people that live in our jurisdiction, and we're going to do it first. And yeah, I mean, it's just like, oh, whatever. So, uh, uh, yeah, no, there's there's definitely a, a people are seeing the results of, of Mayor Suarez being like leaning into this and companies from around the world relocating there. And they're like, we want part of that action. And if all we have to do is say that we support this technology and pass a couple simple bills, like we pass bills all day long that don't do anything for us. So like, why not pass a Bitcoin bill? So uh, I do think another thing that we've seen is that, you know, there is a new political faction that is building and it's bipartisan. And it doesn't care about all the, the, the typical left-right cultural battles or left-right, you know, typical political topics. It's, it's a movement around freedom. It's a movement that is more akin to a fusion of the Libertarian Party, but it's, it doesn't take all the different necessarily policy positions that Libertarians do. The, the, the agenda is really just Bitcoin, Bitcoin and freedom. And, uh, you know, we had... Andrew Yang, who ran for president in the United States, he was uh, uh, very eager uh, to be a part of the event. Unfortunately, the mayor's race in New York is two weeks after the conference. And so um, he wasn't able to come in person. He wanted to speak virtually. 
So we said next year, but he's trying to lure us up to New York to take the Bitcoin conference there. Whereas like simultaneously, you know, the conference is getting opened up. Oh, this is news. This also hasn't been uh, shared. When does this podcast go out? I, I can smash it straight out tonight if you want. Uh, <laughs> what's the best well, you choose a date and we'll make it work. Uh, so well let's just say we have uh, uh, on the other end of the spectrum one of the, the, the most well known uh, political leaders in the United States opening up the conference um, we have I mean so it's truly left right like it doesn't matter if you're from California or New York or Texas like it's a completely new agenda and people who are bought into this, this, this new political movement, uh, they care a lot because their financial resources and wealth are tied up into this too. I mean, they have literal skin in the game. So, you know, you're talking about there being 50 million uh, Bitcoin holders in the United States, you know, uh, in a couple of years time, it's gonna be the majority of the adult population in the United States is holding Bitcoin. Like, guess what they wanna hear? How Bitcoin's gonna go up, how you know they're going to get wealthier and and their their quality of life is going to go up and so if you want to tap into that voting base you need to do things that are pushing forward bitcoin and if you want that voting base to turn against you then you need to say things that threaten bitcoin and like that's the dynamic and you know like that's pretty awesome i mean that's that's what's going to keep this from something that gets banned by the government is like that's going to be suicide political suicide to someone to do it um so yeah, I, 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 uh, I think that the kind of integration, well, when you talk about the Renaissance, just the political implications of a new Renaissance is, is already here and it's, it's accelerating really quickly and people are gonna be just surprised by how quickly it accelerated. It's crazy to watch because it's spreading along the, the, amongst the state level uh, politicians very, very quickly, it seems. And- Oh yeah. How long before it's at the federal level or is it already there? It's I mean, already at the federal level. Right. Yeah, it's already at the federal level. I mean, I'm, we're, we're, hearing, we're hearing from lobbyists representing, uh, I mean, we probably heard from, from 10 different US senators that are at the federal level, um, which is you know 10% of all the senators. Uh, and I mean, the, uh, it's at the uh, presidential level in terms of you know, advisors, uh, department heads, uh, you know, the donors to some of the presidential candidates like uh, uh, FTX is, was the biggest or the second biggest donor to the Biden campaign out there. Um, you know, likewise, on the other side of the aisle, I mean, I, I, I was giving a presentation on Bitcoin just the other day. Uh, uh, President Trump, former President Trump, showed up out of nowhere uh and and came to the room and was like where can i buy some bitcoin i'm dead serious that happened you're dead serious. Wait, stop when dead did, serious when when was this this two weeks ago really? so yeah yeah <laughs> have, have you told that story yet no i haven't yeah how I, much I can photo. how much can you share how much can you share this is nuts you're giving a presentation and in walks trump yeah we're at the, the <laughs> at his uh, golf course not mar-a-lago uh but uh uh, Trump International, I forget what it's called, but uh, it was my first time being there uh, in Palm Beach. And, and there's like 10 people in the room and I'm, you know, giving a presentation, his family offices on Bitcoin. And then just Trump just strolls in fully brazen. He's like, what's going on in here? You know, where can I buy some Bitcoin? And I just freeze up. <laughs> that was my moment to be like, I got you covered, Mr. President, but 
I'm like, is that Donald Trump right now that I'm looking at 20 feet away from me, 10 feet away from me? So uh, uh, I miss my I miss my moment there. But I, I'm, I am trying to get a message to him. I don't, I don't know if President Trump listens to your podcast or not. So uh, uh, I'd, I'd have to check with Lauren for the, uh, the, the, the breakdown of the, uh, the SEO. And, uh, <laughs> well, if, if, Mr. President, if you DM me, or well, I guess you can't DM me, damn. Uh, if you uh, if you get in touch with me, I will I will give you a full Bitcoin just to say I gave it to you. How, you know, so hit me up. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that happened. That happened. So I mean, it's like Bitcoin's already invaded all levels of government, and uh, it's happening really fast. I mean, politicians are very entrepreneurial. They're very opportunistic. Now, not entrepreneurial like in how do I create a value creating business, but uh, you know, entrepreneurial and you know, where is there a group of, of uh, uh, non-loyal voters that can become loyal and donate money to me? They're very good at that. And they look at the Bitcoin scene and they're like, wow, you know, um, this crowd is an opportunity. And, and to their, you know, to their point, it's like he who controls the money controls the world. And, you know, Bitcoin is the new money. And, and, and so therefore, like Bitcoiners are the, are the, the future uh, donor class to politicians, the, the, the new aristocracy so to speak and so you know it's uh there's going to be a lot of change coming as bitcoin goes from thirty thousand dollars or forty thousand dollars to four hundred thousand dollars to four million dollars um and it's not just going to happen in the united states it's going to be happening in every country around the world there's a new political class that's going to be taking over in every single country and so like you want to talk about world peace that's how we get to world peace I mean, it, it, it really is transformational to society and it's happening in front of people and they, and they can't see it. It's amazing. So no more red versus blue. There's going to be like the orange party. It's the, yeah, that's a great name, the orange party, you know? But I mean, yeah, it's just like people are over it. People and, and people don't want centralized control over their life. And, and you know, uh, uh, pe- people love Bitcoin. I mean, and, and, and people... Thank God for Bitcoin having a price to it. If Bitcoin didn't have a price to it, you know, it would it 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 wouldn't uh, affect people like how it does. But because there's a price to it, because they can directly tie their future um, uh, livelihood, their future quality of life to the the price of this asset, it just allows them to channel so much focus and energy uh, into it. And it's it's uh, incredible uh, game theoretical thing. So that that's the perfect point to ask about your rabbit hole story, because many of us here, uh, many of the listeners that are tuning in, so many of them, you know, they, they just fell down a rabbit hole in 2020. Man, you've been around since like early days. And I know nobody would ever carry the moniker OG unless they were just a complete charlatan and, um, you know, uh, I'm not I, I'm not I'm not big for OG. I'm, I, was, I, know. I was too late to the game. I know, I know. But, you know, 2012, that's early doors, as we would say in the UK. That's, that's crazy. So what brought you in? Like, what, what you know, what, what, what predisposed you to it? That, that's an even more interesting question, I find, you know, what, what was happening in your childhood, and your younger years that you were like, um, somehow, for whatever reason, predisposed, either it's like, do you going through school, you know, your upbringing, there's something. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, so 
It's a good question. Uh, so there was a fusion of things actually. So first off, um, you know, I've, I've always been a, a weird nerdy person and, and I started investing when I was in high school uh, into the stock market. And I start. I guess my first year investing was like 2000 and, uh, 2006, 2005. First stock. Uh, uh, first stock was Apple stock. So, uh, you know, I bought Apple and Google and all the stuff that someone who's like 12 years old would buy. And uh, uh, those stocks all did incredibly well. So uh, I, had, I had made a lot of money when I was in high school investing in the stock market. I mean, like I, I turned like seven grand into more than in more than $200,000. Um, yeah, I know, right? No, no right. Yeah. yeah, so uh, the, the, but when the, when the 08 crisis started, uh, you know, I was just, you know, uh, don't mistake uh, luck for skill. And, you know, I was uh, very naive. So we're like, I would, I would watch financial news or I would read financial news stories, which are total, like, you're, you're, you're less informed after you consume that content. But I didn't understand that at that time. So when a bank CEO comes on television and says, everything is fine, our balance sheet is fine, our business is healthy. I hadn't, I hadn't learned yet that that's a massive red flag and you need to be running for the hills when you hear that stuff. So you know, when the CEOs started coming on and like maybe the bank stocks were down like 30% from their peaks uh, and saying that I was like, this is an opportunity. I, you know, this is an opportunity to buy, you know, value. And um, uh, I proceeded to lose a huge sum of money buying bank stocks. And so I lost at one point in time, like my biggest holding was down 90%. Um, and so like, that's a pretty uh, like boy, boy to boy to manhood type story where you learn that the world is actually a really uh, dark place and you can't trust people and et cetera. So, you know, I came across an article after, after this kind of harrowing experience or a video uh, of Ron Paul um, laying out in exact detail in like 2002, exactly what was going to happen uh, due to the expansion of the, the, the um, credit, credit cycles and uh, subsidizing, subsidizing housing. And so this was before I knew what Austrian economics was, this was before I knew anything about the business cycle, uh, you know, uh, and so it just led me down a path of discovering Austrian economics, which the leading Austrian economics think tank in the United States, maybe in the world is based actually in Alabama, which is, was not far from where I grew up, the, the uh, Ludwig von Mises Institute. Um, so I got exposed to all of that, that stuff while I was in college. And then uh, I got into the microfinance game, uh, writing kind of microloans for people that were disenfranchised from the financial system and, and for a whole variety of reasons, struggled to get loans. Um, and so that kind of opened me up to how many people have cell phones and how much of the world doesn't have a bank account and, and just how broken the financial infrastructure was. Um, and so it was really a combination of you know, the cynicism of, of the, the capital markets, financial markets, the uh, kind of uh, red pilling of Austrian economics, and uh, also understanding, you know, how many people are not participants in the financial system, that kind of set me up so that when I got someone sending me an article about Bitcoin, I think I got it a little bit faster than other people. Now, when I first got the article, my first reaction was Bitcoin's a scam. And so I jumped into it to prove that Bitcoin was a scam. It's not a scam. And so, you know, you can, like there was a 
you know, a couple month period where I kind of did my diligence and I got more and more absorbed as I was doing the diligence to the point where like, I was like, okay, I don't know why this couldn't work. And if this even has a 1% chance of success, um, the market it's trying to disrupt is the biggest market that you could possibly disrupt. And so 1% times the potential size of that market is astronomical. So uh, I should buy some. Um, and that was my first foray and my, my timing was lucky. I got some in November, 2012, uh, you know, two months later, uh, the first Bitcoin bubble kicked off uh, that I had experienced. And so we'd go from $13 of Bitcoin to $266 of Bitcoin and then crash from there to $50. Um, and so you can imagine as a 21 year old, like that's, that's a pretty, uh, it's an emotional roller coaster as well. Um, and so uh, then I was trying to decide what to do. Like I always thought when I was younger, I was going to go into investment banking um, just because I've, I've always loved investing in stocks. But, uh, uh, you know, Bitcoin had, had just completely uh, 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 taken over my mind. I mean, it's just like I didn't even have any interest in anything else other than Bitcoin. And, and it was like, OK, well should I make this my career? And I applied at a company called Coinbase that was hiring their first employee at the time. And uh, they only had enough money for one employee. So uh, they, I lost out to a guy named Olaf who uh, went on to do a lot of cool stuff in, in the space. And um, I went to my first Bitcoin conference uh, uh, shortly thereafter, about the same time. And it was Bitcoin 2013. And so like, that's, that's when I kind of realized that this thing, this movement was happening. Like, it doesn't matter what the price of Bitcoin is. It doesn't matter if the price crashes 80%. Like this is a movement. It's, it's completely price insensitive and that the smartest people in the world are infected by the same idea I'm infected by. And they're working in their free time for no money and no pay to make this thing real. And like, this is going to happen. And so I just, uh, in, that was May, 2013. I just said, you know, I don't want to live the rest of my life with regret of not pursuing the thing that I was passionate about. Um, and so I just jumped all in, put all the chips in, jumped in professionally. And I just said, worst case scenario, I hit rock bottom and I have to go back to college or something, you know? So um, that, was, that was the start. That's amazing. Did you ever have a fiat job then? Was there a fiat career in there at any point? So, I mean, when I was in college, I, I did some... Uh, internships for a VC firm and a hedge fund, but no like real, uh, you know, like true nine to five job. Uh, I went straight out of college, started this business and uh, have been building, I guess, for the past eight years. And you, do, am I right in thinking you acquired Bitcoin Magazine? Yeah, so I started a magazine called Why Bitcoin, uh, mm -hmm. which was just like uh, evergreen content about what is Bitcoin, why do you want it, how do you get it, where can you spend it, how do you store it, how do you mine it? The same questions that people would ask you because no one knew what Bitcoin was. Um, and then uh, when maybe about a year and a half later, uh, Vitalik and Mihai, who were really the lifeblood of Bitcoin Magazine, decided they wanted to go and work on this project that didn't have a name at that point, but became Ethereum. Um, so I bought, I bought Bitcoin Magazine from them. I didn't really have the money to buy it. So I had to buy it on, on like partial credit and break up the payments over time. And then I had to make the money before I, the payments came due. So it was, uh, 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 I looked, I just read the contract the other day for the first time in you know, years. And it's funny to read it just based on 
you know, it's, it's peanuts now the deal people would laugh, but back then it was just like, I can't believe that we're doing such a big transaction. This is crazy. You know, so that's that, that is mad. And now like, uh, how it's grown over the years, why don't you talk, um, a little bit about, uh, Bitcoin magazine, what's going on there at the moment, how you've got, uh, the, the amount of writers you've got going and what's going to happen over the next year or two, because I, I know for a fact You've always got writers coming in and contributing. So if there's any Twitter lurkers out there, I'm a big advocate of like, guys, just write whatever is in your head. You know, you've got that article posted on Medium, you know, smash it around Twitter. Someone like Bitcoin Magazine might might pick it up. And and Jan uh, recently did. Jan, um, I'm going to mispronounce his uh, surname. Wusterfeld or what? I'm going to get it. Hang on a second. But anyway, yeah, tell the plebs. Tell the plebs you're always looking because yeah. people out there have so many doubts. Yeah, well, so first off, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of the original plebs because when I got into this, I was totally broke relative to, uh, you know, I was in every plebs exact scenario there and now. And the thing about becoming not a pleb is, is uh, jumping in uh, into the deep end and doing whatever you need to do in order to not drown and then just, uh, uh, endurance, not giving up. And if you can do those things for a long enough period of time, your humble sats that you've stacked will uh, grow into quite the treasure trove and you can use those resources to do more cool things. Um, and so, you know, we, uh, 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 we started very humbly, uh, just myself, my mom helped with some of the back office invoicing and we grew all the way up to about 110 people. Uh, we were doing a lot more than just Bitcoin. So we were doing crypto stuff too, which was a kind of a big mistake in, in retrospect, obviously. But when the markets went south in, you know, 2018, we, we kind of faced a crisis of like, you know, losing a bunch of money and having to determine, you know, why kind of why is it we're doing what we're doing. And so we, we reoriented our business to focus purely on what we had maximum conviction for. And anything else that we didn't have maximum conviction for, it's like, leave that opportunity for someone else to pursue. And so for us, that was Bitcoin. It, it had always been Bitcoin. And so we leaned into that hard and, and um, you know, took, a, took kind of our mentality of our roots, which is just dive in and figure it out. Like, you know, there wasn't a Bitcoin conference that people had been doing. Let's bring back a Bitcoin conference. Let's just dive into it and just see what we can make happen. Uh, you know, there's no one doing Bitcoin only news. <clears throat> uh, no one wants to just hear kind of, buddy daddy articles all day long. So let's dive in and let's try to get original content about Bitcoin that really helps people expand their thinking. That really helps people uh, come up with new ideas. Like we want to, we want to inspire people um, to really think about not only like what they can do with Bitcoin, but how they can be a part of making that thing happen in real. So uh, we have someone who, who's taken the reins, uh, Christian Carolla CK uh, on Twitter who has just completely embraced that, that uh, focus on, on how do we expand the intellectual boundaries of Bitcoin and um, how do we get as many Bitcoiners involved in that movement as possible. And we've just been on a, a hiring warpath as we built that team uh, up and, and we're, we're constantly hiring. I mean, like, like I said earlier with the conference, like we are catalyzing a movement globally and uh, like our goal our mission for our company is hyper-Bitcoinization. Like that's the focus now. And so we're not going to stop until every single person on the planet is a Bitcoiner. Like that's like, that's, 
you know, that's what we're going for. And so we want all people around the world, no matter your background, no matter your language, uh, if you have something to say about Bitcoin, we want you to use our platform to say it. And we want uh, to help you spread that message as far as wide as possible. That's amazing. And and as far as like hiring uh, for like nuts and bolts jobs, it, it, do you use uh, Bitcoin jobs for, for push, pushing out the message there? So I think we've done it a little bit uh, there. We've mostly been using um, kind of word of mouth of like, hey, this is a great person y'all should talk to, et cetera. We just brought on a uh, great Bitcoiner, uh, Nick Beard, um, who is, you can also find him on crypto Twitter. And so he's taking over kind of our hiring process and on ramp, but DM him on Twitter and he's going to be posting our jobs everywhere we possibly can. Man, I'm so bullish. It's just so ridiculous. Like you know, the amount of Bitcoiners that are going to be able to escape their nine to five over the next 18 months and contribute to something they're passionate about and bring their ideas and bring their passion and bring their energy. You cannot stop this thing. It's a no. steam train. It's absolutely amazing. It's an avalanche. And when morons like Rubini or Elon stand in their tracks, it's like, my God, guys, what are you doing? I know. Elon's really disappointed me. I, I, the best meme for that is the, is the uh, what is it? Star Wars with like uh, uh, Anakin becomes, you know, trade, uh, trader or whatever. And it's like, you are the chosen one. It's like, you know, Elon's really disappointing me. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very bullish on, on how Bitcoin transforms our society from the, the standpoint of, you know, uh, uh, there's a cantillion effect now that rewards people that are close to power. But Bitcoin changes the dynamic where there's still a cantillion effect, but it's a cantillion effect for people who are miners. And the way you differentiate yourself in mining is through uh, eventually innovation in hard sciences. And so like, I, I actually see a world where when, you know, Bitcoin goes, you know, two or three bubbles from now, uh, when Bitcoin is many millions of dollars, the amount of money to be made in Bitcoin mining is going to be such that the majority of people who go into hard sciences are going in to work on some component of the value chain of Bitcoin mining, whether that's building new power plants or whether that's building new foundries or whether that's, you know, designing new, uh, uh, building new mines in, in for silicon mines or whether that's, you know, like every single component of what goes into mining is going to be taken over by, you know, uh, uh, by people in pursuit of this greater interest. And I think we're just going to see a, a total explosion of innovation, new technologies, new ideas being proliferated. Um, that's going to suck many, many, many millions of people in. I mean, if you just take the, the assumption that the next 10 years looks like the previous 10 years in Bitcoin, which I think is, you know, a somewhat fair assumption. Uh, but if you take that assumption, that will mean that by the, by the sixth epoch, so three halvings from now, the amount of energy being consumed in Bitcoin mining uh, will exceed the total amount of energy being consumed by the entire U.S. energy market. There's millions and millions and millions of people that work in servicing the U.S. energy market. Yeah, maybe 10 million people. All right, so you're talking about there being 10 million plus people then that are in the business of just generating electricity and delivering it to Bitcoin miners like within the next 10 years. Like I don't think people understand like how... how how quickly those numbers grow and just uh, uh, 
I mean, I don't even know how we get 10 million engineers graduated through our education system. We're going to have to change our education system in order to be able to supply the number of skilled workers required to keep scaling up these systems. So yeah, I'm, I'm so bullish on, and like, there's nothing anyone can do to stop this because you have to basically uh, not desire to grow as a person or to pursue your own interests in order for this to stop. And that's never going to happen. That's inherent in who we are. So it's like, this is just uh, this inevitability, this, this avalanche coming down a mountain that's just accelerating all the time. And you can either like get with the avalanche or you can get blown over by it. But those are your only two options. But here we are stuck in normie land where somebody listening to this would, would say to you straight away, yeah, but that's going to ruin the environment. We can't have any of that. That's just ridiculous. And it's just such a FUD. Like, um, it, it's, it's so annoying that it's come back so hard. Be having, having had it debunked so eloquently, I mean, it's done. There is no argument there. It's not to be had. But uh, it's, here we are again. Well, you know, it's, it's like every idea that's a bad idea that stands in the way of Bitcoin has to be defeated and destroyed and decimated. And so now we're dealing with, uh, uh, you know, climate change alarmist. And, and now we're basically going to have to defeat that mentality, which is very rooted in society. But like we will win. Like otherwise you can like if you want to fight us on it, you can not buy Bitcoin and you can have fun staying poor. Well, every, everyone else who embraces this idea finds success. And so like all people will be consumed by that. And like, this is a big idea that the world needs to have challenged that we're going to be, again, Bitcoiners are going to be the first people to stand up and actually defeat this idea. Um, and, you know, there's nothing that's more, more valuable for society than our ability to produce energy and deploy that energy. There's nothing more valuable. That's the number one thing that's correlated to uh, the quality of life, uh, living standards. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be fun to take these on one by one. I feel like we're building up for the boss battle and environmentalism is just like, you know, a couple of tiers down from the, <laughs> the final boss battle. <laughs> That's, it, you know, you make a good point there. And I, I learned this uh, from Sailor, uh, you know, the, the, the only way our species has ever advanced itself is by channeling the energy that it had at its disposal at that time. And you can take that all the way back to fire and, you know, bring it all the way through to, uh, you know, electricity. And here we are now at this point of how do we channel that electricity that we have now and we can use for a greater good, for a better good, a real greater good that is going to enhance uh, everybody's life and uplift society and communities and everybody around the world. It's unbelievable. It's a car shift scale. Like we, we need to level humanity up. And the the like you, you think we're eating a lot of energy now. Wait until we have a Dyson sphere and we're consuming all the electricity of the sun. Like that's like, you know, I've I've developed a crazy uh, uh, philosophy, but I, I call it uh, team life and team death. And you know, to be on to be a Bitcoiner and to to buy in on all of the arguments that that define what Bitcoin is and why it's great for society, really means that you have to align yourself with team life. And that means that like, like we don't have an overpopulation problem. We have an underpopulation problem. We need to spread life through the stars, through the galaxy, through the universe. We need many, many, many trillions of people. We need, we need to maximize life in every way we possibly can. And, and so uh, like, we're just getting started. I mean, this is like, this is, we might as well just be the, the, the first multi-celled organism that just sprung to life from like the, you know, primordial soup, 
so to speak, in terms of how far humanity has to go. And like, I'm going to be damned if I'm going to let some bureaucrat who doesn't even think about any of these things is just selfish, stop humanity's progress. Like, no, like this is like such a bigger picture thing than any, any political topic you can bring up any, like we're advancing humanity. And so uh, I don't know how that happens without uh, people's free ability to communicate and organize and collaborate with each other. And that has to, at its core, have sound money and, and free money. And so, you know, like, uh, if you're on, if you're standing in the way of Bitcoin, you are squarely on team death. I mean, you are squarely standing in the way of, of human advancement. I've never understood that overpopulation thing. Just get on a plane and look out the window. Like, it, I, I, I don't get it. Yeah, you, you, you know, your day-to-day -day life is completely, you know, shock full of people and there's traffic jams and, and whatever else and the trains are overcrowded. That's just bad town planning and bad infrastructure because of centralized control over all of that kind of crap. If that was left more to like the uh, free enterprise and, uh, um, excuse me, the free market and enterprising uh, individuals and entrepreneurs, it would be fixed, we'd be good. But it's just like, no, there's too many people, we're wrecking the planet, this nihilistic fiat mindset, you know, the fiat memes like, uh, you know, YOLO and, uh, you know, I'll sleep when I die and all of this kind of crap done with it put it to one side we're building something much brighter than that 100 i mean uh uh yeah uh i think it just comes from this uh this uh what's the word um narcissism of knowing everything or the the belief you know everything and it's like the same with economists like they uh you know, they can tell you everything about what you should do with your business, but they can never build a business because if they actually implemented any of the ideas that they said, the business would fail. So it's like, okay, now take that same concept and apply it across all aspects of life. And, you know, uh, the environmentalists, they're the economists who are convinced that, you know, the complex system that is our environment is as simple as, you know, drawing up a formula to tell you exactly what's happening and what the cause and effect is and why we have to eliminate the humans and why, you know, we have, we have to uh, uh, manage how much electricity you consume. It's just ridiculous. And, and these people need to just be ignored and humbled and Bitcoin is humbling them one by one. We must tax the air, David. Don't forget that. That's, that's right. That's right. You know, so I, it's just, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's so liberating to be able to have a, a form of money that doesn't require you to care about what the state does or says, just make it as irrelevant. I mean, I'm, I'm Catholic, so I'm allowed to criticize the Catholic church. Like let's just turn government into the Catholic church. You know, like it, it doesn't have to go away, but like, you know, the Catholic church is not uh, making you pay indulgences anymore. They're not burning people in the town square every, every weekend for fun and entertainment. Like, it's been regulated to something that is an opt-in thing that, you know, you can choose or to be a part of it or not. That's how government needs to be. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of all of these, these nanny state people trying to tell me how to live my life. All right, man, let's bring it back to the conference because that's, that's what you're on the show for to, to show yeah, what's going well, on. Well, Hey man, and this is, yeah. this is what the conference is all about though. It's like, Hey, no nanny state here. Uh, just <laughs> come and be free and enjoy freedom and, and let's celebrate it. What, uh, I know you can't pick favorites is probably a really bad question for, for, for me to ask, but fuck it. What speech are you looking forward to the most? Mm. Probably 
so I actually like the, the we have these these presentation slots where it's uh, a somewhat smaller stage, but we try to find just interesting ideas that people haven't heard before. So for Bitcoin 2019, we chose like Brandon Quint, Brandon Quintum's uh, uh, Bitcoin is mycelium, and um, you know we chose a spore uh, of value. He he needs to rename that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so well the but you know we've chose interesting topics and i like those are the ideas that you first hear them you're like wow okay that's you know i am i haven't smoked enough to, to to hear that but then you actually like listen deeper into it and you're like wow there's a deep insight here so um that's probably my my favorite stage uh person i'm most excited to meet is definitely sailor the guy is just uh uh he's awesome uh i we have two surprise guests uh one that i think will be announcing uh, a political person you know I'll, I'll leak it from the sense of uh you know one of the one of the uh fathers of freedom let's just put it like that and uh another one who uh i would share but uh I, we have to keep it secret so that the the government doesn't inter intervene uh who's going to be uh joining us remotely um from from a, a, a prison cell. So uh, so we have some cool stuff there that I'm really excited about. Um, that's probably the one I'm most excited about, honestly. So uh, uh, we got a bunch of a bunch of cool stuff. I don't know. I don't know which which one to tell you. That's that's a great great dangled carrot. What about side? side chain side fork conferences because there's a load going on i know is oh, there yeah. any that have caught your eye that uh is uh, kind so of interesting I, yeah i've signed up for a few so there's uh the uh a pleb party uh happening uh the during whale day uh which i think is going to be a good one on sunday there's a one I, called pleb i bet the i bet the whales turn up at the pleb party <laughs> probably <laughs> Uh, so, uh, there's another one on Sunday called Pleb Fi, which is about be building DeFi applications, uh, on Bitcoin. And it's, uh, led by, uh, Jeremy Rubin. And then there's one that, uh, Katie, I forget how, what the full name. Katie, the but, Russian, uh, Katie, the Russian, yeah. uh, uh, the underground, I think it's called like underground Citadel. Uh, which is seems super cool. She for that should one. be. Hopefully, fingers crossed, they get there. She should be passing around thirty copies of my book for free. So that's uh, awesome. that's a, that's a quick shill, a quick plug. Choose life. Um, I was going to go to that one as well, but obviously we we can't, as as discussed. So yeah, that's very very cool. She was on the show just two apps ago. So uh, she's she's great, man. You you should listen to that one. She's she's got an amazing story. Cool, cool. So I'm I'm excited for that one, and then. Uh, 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 going to a mining event. There's some cool after parties going on. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on to be honest. So, uh, yeah, there, people are going to be busy. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be such a, such a great time. Um, what about, uh, like, I, I know you mentioned the car, but there's going to be some really cool physical things there on show. I, I believe Fractal Encrypt has got one of his, uh, beautiful sculptures turning up. Is he going to auction that? Uh, I think so. I think that's the plan. Uh, we have an art gallery that we have artists from all around the world participating in. We're going to be auctioning off some of that art, um, as well as we have these uh, skateboards that we custom skateboards that an artist, uh, we have like 20 one of one skateboards that a different artists made the deck for each of the skateboards and Tony Hawk's going to sign them. 
and then we're going to auction those boards off plus an NFT issued on top of Bitcoin uh, for each of the boards. So, uh, you know, if people need to get their NFT uh, uh, kick. We'll have that. Um, but actually in Bitcoin. In, yeah, in Bitcoin. Yeah, built, Not built on top of, of uh, yeah, built on top of a uh, liquid. So we've been working with Blockstream and that's, uh, I think this is kind of the launch of their NFT platform. So um, we got uh, other physical stuff. We have Lambos and and bodies oh, that people yes. are bringing wait a uh, second wait a second you're giving away a lambo i remember peter telling me on his show uh, yeah yeah, yeah. On, on excuse me he came on my show and we were talking about it but i was listening to you briefly with with him chatting about like giving away a lambo like how does that work yeah so when you sign on the wi-fi uh sports bet is giving away a lambo for for every person who gets on the wi-fi so uh uh, they're giving away a Lambo. I think someone was giving away a Tesla, though I think that that, that, that car might be being swapped out for something else. Um, there's multiple cars being given away. So uh, that's cool. We have. So uh, they're just going to pull a name out of the hat. Like, you know, it, your email address so. out of a hat. You know. And then we have several sponsors that are giving away like over $100,000 worth of Bitcoin. Um, you know, we're going to have it all set up uh, with, we have an app called Carrot uh, that uses NFC in order to, to give people sats. And so we're going to have it set up where you're, there's just going to be QR codes around the conference. You can scan them, get free money. Um, we're going to have, uh, we have a half pipe that Tony Hawk will be skateboarding on. We have uh, an area where sumo wrestlers are going to be uh, going at it. Um, hopefully, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to set it up so that we can resolve the uh, taproot activation debate by which sumo wrestler um, wins. That's the very scientific way to get it, get it resolved. Uh, we got, um, I mean, it's just so much stuff. I mean, we have these uh, uh, free and open source dome that we just have open source projects in meeting people. Um, we have a startup pitch day where we're going to be giving away a, a Bitcoin prize uh, to the most innovative projects that go through there. And that's going to be happening the day before the conference. We'll announce it at the conference. Um, we have uh, an arcade uh, lounge, like esports lounge, where uh, different Bitcoin companies and teams are competing against each other. And there'll be Bitcoin prizes there. Um, we have uh, a basketball court where there's going to be a uh, like a three-point challenge and a dunking challenge uh, from different teams. And it's what I've been told, I, don't, I can't confirm this, but what I've been told is that these teams, people are starting to cheat and they're recruiting NBA players onto their teams to, to you know, juice their teams. And so I think there's actually going to be a lot of like, I, there might be very few Bitcoiners and a lot of NBA players standing for the Bitcoiners battling it out on this ha uh, half court that we have. So. I heard I mean, the same's happening for the football, right? There's a five-a-side football tournament going on somewhere that, that like guys are recruiting like pro athlete footballers to, to soccer, oh, yeah. as you know it. Uh, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's a flex for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's you know like I mean like one of the NBA players I was told is joining one of the teams is like the MVP of the year, and it's like it's like oh my god. <laughs> so uh, we have DJs. We have a whole bunch of DJs coming in. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be crazy, man. I, I, we've really pulled out every stop we possibly could.
Swan have told me a little bit about what they've got planned for their. They're, they're going to have a dome, I think, inside, uh, you know, right next to the bar, and they've got DJs, and they're going to have. Uh, I think Scott Sibley is going to be running like a high stakes shamari table, and uh, they're, they're just just <laughs> so much. Sounds like so much fun. Uh, Mandrick, the the a, a true Bitcoin OG. Uh, uh, used to sell baklava for Bitcoin back in 2012. I, I mean, I think he sold like thousands of Bitcoins worth of baklava, uh, but he's bringing like 70 pounds of baklava for the uh, Swan Dome just to hand it away. I mean, it's it's going to be such a random, weird thing, but I mean, it's all very Bitcoin. So it's it's authentic. So it's cool. Man, I love it. All right. Before we, we wrap this up, uh, I get to ask you the final question. If you had one orange pill left to give, who would you give it to and why? That is a good question. I don't know. I'd probably try to give it to someone who's very difficult to replace so that there we have, we basically got into Bitcoin or entrenched into something they shouldn't be in. So like, you know, uh, like a president, they come and go too quickly. It, you know, like the orange pill, like a fed chairman or something, you know, that's probably who I'd pick orange pill, fed chairman. Uh, so that way they, they take the money printer and they go burr even faster. You know, there's nothing that, that accelerates Bitcoin adoption, like just getting that money printer going. So maybe it's already happened. Maybe maybe uh, Jay Powell is actually already a, a Bitcoiner. And that's why he's, uh, you know, got such loosey-goosey uh, monetary policy. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I uh, Maybe Orange told Elon. Elon is not like, ultimately, we need to bring Elon back into the fold because he's got space monopolized. Like we're going to need his rockets. So we, and like, we're going to need Starlink if we're going to, you know, be able to bypass some of these totalitarian governments that will shut off their internet to stop Bitcoin. So um, Elon can be a big ally. We need him back on the team. Or if someone's listening, they just go build it. Because, yeah, that's you know, true. You, know. you got your own space company you're building. Hit me up. I'll, I'll invest. Yeah, right. I mean, there's going to be there's going to be Bitcoiners out there that are wealthy enough and are not going to have to rely on subsidies, and they can just go to the SpaceX team and say, "Hey guys, let's go." Let's go. That's right. That, that's pretty interesting. Oh, that that should be the the name of all the rockets. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> LFG written on the side in in huge. Uh, <laughs> oh, ooh, there is. I have a call about it today. I'm not allowed to, I'm under NDA. We have one really amazing space uh, announcement uh, coming to the conference uh, that people need to be listening for. When, is, when, uh, do you, when, when, when does the NDA, when, when are you allowed to announce it? When, uh, I don't think until, until we announce it at the conference. So oh, I shouldn't shit. have said it, but, yeah. oh, but, no, but, but I didn't say what it is. It's gonna be crazy. People are gonna love it. Yeah. So no, exactly. watch the live stream. Watch the live stream. It's a, it's a, oh shit. Is there going to be a live stream? Oh, like yeah. 20, yeah, yeah. 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 Like completely well, free live stream of the, of the conference. Completely free. I think it's only the main stage and, um, and the second stage, uh, the Nakamoto stage and the, uh, stacking sat stage. I don't think the presentation stage is live streamed, but all of that will be recorded and then released afterwards. So 
all everything that happens, people are going to be able to consume it. Uh, oh man, yeah. you, you should get a head cam on American Huddle and just have a live stream of you know what the fuck he's getting up to. <laughs> a late night, a late night one. You're saying? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, not even. Just like uh, you know him, like wandering around, bullshitting yeah, with people. Uh, yeah, it'd be pretty funny. You know, like a yeah, like a a pleb head cam, like uh, the. <laughs> That you know, like a little side YouTube live stream that we could see. What what are the plebs getting up to right now? What are they looking at? That'd well, nice. I wanted to have the little robots that would drive around the conference, but uh, it it got impractical. If we were all in one building, we would have them, but because there's so many different uh, uh, spaces that we're occupying, it's hard to get those little rovers to get around. So anyway, maybe 2022 we'll have those. Yeah, out in the desert, wherever it is for 300,000 people, whatever you're aiming for. That's right. All right, mate, is there anything we have not covered that you, you need to share or get off your chest before we close this thing down? Uh, I, I want to make sure that people can come and find you if, you if you're active again on Twitter. You know, that's a nice big announcement. So Yeah, can... no, I, I'm, active, I'm active at least for the next few days uh until we go back over 40 then then i might be inactive again but uh uh yeah no i i what i want to tell everyone is that we really appreciate the community support this this event is not because of us it's because of you and uh you know be patient with us on this event uh if there are long lines for something or if you know something's at max capacity we're doing everything we can we're 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 leaving everything on the court, our hearts, our souls, uh, we've, we are pouring it all into this event and, um, we think everyone's going to have an amazing time and, you know, we can't wait to, uh, to do the next one next year, even bigger with y'all. So, um, thank you to the community to make that made it possible and, and, um, hold hold on. And how can people find Bitcoin magazine if they've got that article in them guys, write the article. We need the content, reach out to David. Yeah, no, so don't reach out to me because I'm, I'm bad at responding to on Twitter, but uh, uh, reach out to CK or Joe Rogers on Twitter um, or DM at Bitcoin Magazine um, and we will get you published. And, and if you're, you know, if you have a, a great idea, but you're not the, the best writer, we have great copy editors on staff that can help you work on your piece, clean it up and get it ready to publish. Love it, man. Well, thank you so much for everything that you are doing in the space, all the great content that you guys are putting out. These conferences, um, yeah, well, I, you know, we're all bummed we can't make it out this time. Uh, we were really psyched to come, but uh, we'll definitely get out there and and meet you all for 2022. Fingers crossed. Awesome. Uh, well, uh, we we can't wait to meet in person, and and uh, yeah, man, it's a revolution. We're not stopping. We have, we're we're just beginning. So the the there's going to be plenty of time to do stuff in person. This is going to be a long fight. Love it. Thanks for coming on, David. Take care. All right. Thank you. Ciao. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. And do you remember what I said at the start of the show? If you weren't going to the conference, or you were. F- or you weren't feeling FOMO, you certainly will be now because my goodness, this sounds like the place to be for any Bitcoiner that ever lived. What an absolute amazing lineup these guys have put together. And like David said, you know, give them a little bit of rope when they're there because this is a huge event. So many things can go wrong. So many hiccups can just come out of left field. So 
And they've already had the lead up to this. They've already had speakers pulling out. They had the, the nightmare with uh, Chumath and um, that that all kind of weird, strange thing. We didn't get into that in this interview, but if you go and listen to Peter McCormack's show with David, they covered that extensively. So there was no need for us to rehash that. So, ah, get your tickets if you can. Check the website. Many of the European guys have been shaken out of this one, so there, there might be some tickets going. You never know. Now, before we sign off, you remember me saying as well at the beginning of the show to make sure you take control of your coins. Please do this, guys. Get a hardware wallet. Go and look up the one that is best for you. Make sure you know what you're doing. Do your own research. I can recommend Bitbox02. You can find it on shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten. I do use one and it's a great piece of kit. Make sure you're stacking. Use CoinFloor in the UK. Use Swan in the US and use Relay across Europe. All forward slash bitten.